0: One of Papua New Guinea's most revered leaders, Sir Rabi passed away last week. He was a long-time politician, including a term as Prime Minister, but he was also involved in the country's development before independence in 1975. One of those he worked with in developing the country's constitution was former Bougainville President John Momis, who reminisced with Don Wiseman about a man he had known well for 60 years when uh, Chief Minister uh, Michael Somari appointed the Constitutional Planning Committee membership, Sir Rabi, who had uh, just got back from Canada where he did his Masters and then teaching at UPNG, joined Sir Michael's staff and uh, from then on he was very much involved in the uh, discussions that were taking place quite actively at the time and Of course, later on, he got involved with the young men, people like Tony Siagu, Charles Lapani, and Makere Morauta, who were quite young and were in the public service. And it was on their shoulders that uh, the task of trying to uh, restructure the public service to meet the needs of a quite a radically changed structural distribution of governmental power at the national level, you know, when we decided to devolve power to the provincial governments. And, of course, the two concepts were not in agreement, you know, that the public service then was highly centralised and bureaucratized, controlled by colonial officers who had little faith in the Papua New Guineans, not, not that they, you know, just, just because they had no experience. So, um, you know, Rabi and These young men took on the the task and I think they did well to respond to the, as I said, the very, very radical changes the Constitutional Planning Committee was making. And that's how I really got to work closely with him. And fortunately, he later became the uh, Public Service Commissioner. And then, of course, the whole responsibility of actually making the changes fell on his shoulders and it was just as well we knew him so we could talk and Inarabi was an educated person very consultative collegial and uh, a person of deep integrity Later of course went into politics and became Prime Minister and it was at a critical time particularly for Bougainville he was the man responsible for sending the troops in Yes, in 1980 eighty eight to 19, 1992, he was prime minister, at a very difficult time. But he did something that no other prime minister tried to do by appointing a number of senior ministers uh, headed by his deputy, and uh, the rest of us were, I was including that, the rest of us were uh, ministers who knew quite a bit about Bougainville. We had good relationship with the late Joseph Kabul, who was then the premier of the North Solomon's provincial government. And of course, we, I knew Francis Honor as well. So he sent us to Bougainville in late 1989. And to everybody's surprise, we, we did very well. We convinced, we talked with BCL, Francis Honor representing the landowners, Kabui representing the North Solomon provincial government, which represented the people of Bowenville, of course, our delegation representing the national government. You know, it was not easy, difficult process, but we had clear direction from Rabin Amario to use this situation to try to be consultative and consensual and try to reach a uh, final solution in which all of us, all parties, would, you know, would take ownership of, as it were. And so we did. We were all surprised that we even BCL Bowenville Copper made a big shift because they were before that the enemy number one, and uh, we had a new leadership there, and uh, we all agreed that everybody would share things. The Bowenville Copper agreement would be renegotiated, giving the people of Bowenville a fair share, the landowners, and that, the Papua New Guinea government, and BCL, of course, they would not be. Missing out. And uh, both BCL and the national government agreed to build certain infrastructure in Bougainville to compensate for the past year's negligence in uh, promoting uh, development. So we then, of course, wanted to celebrate the good outcome because it was then we had the state of emergency and we informed. And got the permission of the controller of the state of emergency, uh, with his full blessing, we w- went ahead and had a celebration. Of course, few people celebrate, a few beers and so on and so forth, and become a bit rowdy. On their way home, they were arrested by a very undisciplined police, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, it was uh, so unfortunate. You know, we had actually solved the problem to everybody's satisfaction as much as possible, including BCL and including Francis Honor, the two most intransigent, you know, partners. You know, it was a very democratic process, you know, and Ravi was really good because uh, because of his experience dealing with the C P C as a young academic at the time, he got used to dealing with politicians who were highly motivated to change things and sometimes we recommended things which were It's far-fetched, you know, but he was good. So uh, he had a short, difficult time. He only was Prime Minister for only one term. I think he was probably, he was one of the best Prime Ministers. He was collegial, he was consultative, he was a man of integrity, he listened, he was an educated person, he did not impose, you know, ideas just because he was a Prime Minister. After he left Parliament, you know, he stood down, didn't get voted out a very popular member of one of the constituencies in East New Britain. He continued serving the people of Papua New Guinea in many ways, contributed ideas. He was the chancellor of the university in East New Britain. And the university's name, by the way, is called the Papua New Guinea University of Natural Resources and Environment, which is the fourth goal of the constitution. You know, I am now the chancellor of that university.